All right, on episode 70 of Thoughts from the Shade, we will recap and reflect on the Eagles outlasting the Indianapolis Colts 17-16. to Take a look around the NFL. Take a look at the college football landscape. We're a week away from conference championship week. And with the upcoming holiday, we'll give one thing that we're thankful for. Let's rock. Pleasant good evening and a welcome back to all of our lovely, loyal listeners. Two thoughts from the shade. I almost didn't make it through the little intro there, Bob. I'm a, I'm a bit hoarse, bit hoarse. Five days in Scottsdale. Today was my first full day back on the East Coast. L- little recovery, but you know what? It's exciting to get back on the pod. It gives me life. It's it's the jolt that I needed to come back after a long trip across the country like that. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I mean, I'm shocked your body held up through the time zones. I guess, uh, thank God we didn't put you in a hotel, huh? Yeah, no. Uh, I was in, I was in, uh, I forget what episode. I want to say 56 or 58 West Coast Juice, good friend of the pod. He put me up in Scottsdale for two nights. And then we had the good, good old Airbnb uh, for the boys for another loyal listeners bachelor party. So good times all around. We'll get to it. Uh, we'll re- we'll recap the trip. I'll let you ask all the questions that you want. I got got a major bone to pick. Uh, I'm a little bit of a what do they call call us a homebody? I'm a bit of a homebody. So anytime I get out amongst the what's that? <laughs> a bit. Yeah, just a bit. Anytime I get out amongst the general public, I don't know if I'm like a people watcher or I have a short fuse or maybe I'm just an asshole, but we'll get to that. But we got to give the people what they want. Eagles 17, Colts 16. They outlast Jeff Saturday's squad that appeared to be riding high after the, the win over Vegas in Saturday's debut. But the Eagles go on the road. And they scrap one out. They scratch and claw out the dub. Uh, it was in question for most of the day. And I don't know if you want to get to the game first or if we just need to address some of the antics and extracurriculars around this game regarding Nick Sirianni and uh, the fired Frank Reich. I mean, where where do you want to start with this? Let's get to the let's get to the game first, and then we'll we'll dive into it because this this requires a full a full diagnosis. I think the uh, the, the Reich and, and Sirianni situation. Fair enough. Uh, I will say I was pleased with how the defense responded to the Monday night performance against Washington and that first drive. Uh, the Colts go right down the field, handing the ball to Jonathan Taylor couple nice throws from Matty Ice. And they get out to the 7 nothing lead. They get the crowd involved. And we were in for a long day, I feel like, because of that. But the defense held serve the rest of the day and did a nice job. Uh, can't really say 
the same about the offense. If it wasn't for Jalen Hurts, I think this is a fat L. Guy did everything he could to put the team on the back. I think the offensive line was poor. Um, you had an A.J. Brown turnover. Just a lot of ugly football on the offensive side. Didn't really get the ground going, ground game going too much. Uh, I've been begging for that, calling for that. And then the game plan just it's uh it's slacking these last couple of weeks. Uh there's no variety. There's no rhythm to what they're doing on offense. They come out and they want to throw the ball three times. They want to run the ball three times on a drive. There's there hasn't been much balance. I don't know if that's for a poor game plan uh or if it's poor execution or or a matter of both, but I think last week I came away concerned about the defense, right, as the long-term concern, but it's flip-flopped after Sunday for me. It seems like those slants that they just kept throwing A.J. Brown the first eight weeks of the season have have all but uh, dried up. I agree with you, man. I mean, good news is back-to-back weeks, the team looked bad, hurt. It wasn't Hurts, but Hurts looked really good. I thought he did a lot of really nice things. Um but yeah, whether it's scheme, whether it's play calling, whether it's execution, I mean, a couple plays stand out. I mean, that 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 uh, shot play that they try to dial up at the beginning of the second half. I mean, it's like it's like Sirianni watched the uh, the Michael Vick uh, on Monday Night Football versus the Redskins, thinking he's going to hit like an eighty-seven yarder to D-Jack. I mean, th- that play took forever to develop, and you got Miles Sanders on the defensive end in space trying to shore it up as you as you move uh, Hertz out to his right to throw all the way across the field to his left it just dude I don't know what it is I don't know whether they're trying they're trying to get too cute or or really be seen as kind of like tacticians with the Shane stuff hey Shane we're gonna get you an HC job this year show him on the grease board how to dial it up I don't know if there's too much of that going on but I, I don't know man offensively I'm not thrilled with what I'm seeing so I th- I saw the all 22 or like the overhead view of that play on Twitter today. And I think it was there, but I had a lot of issues with the play. You talked about Miles Sanders having to block the DN. That, that was an epic failure. I think the two, the two guys on the left side of the line, Milata and Dickerson, I don't think they picked anybody up on that play. I don't think it was a blitz. And to your point about kind of the halftime, Nick and, and Steichen getting together and trying to rally the boys, like, it felt like they came out of the locker room and were trying to win the game with one play. And I think we'll get to it again later about the emotion that was shown after the game. But I have a a large concern with Nick S that this guy's emotions are getting in the way of what, you know, we're, we're trying to achieve here. And Like, he doesn't coach well with the lead. I don't know if it's because we're now getting into the meat uh, of the schedule and, you know, crunch time and the stretch run here. But in the pressure moments, he's made bad bad calls the last two weeks. And then that call out of the half just, like, screamed, like, I'm desperate to make a splash. I'm prepared to say it. Um, I said it last week. I mean – Tactically, obviously, I, I, you know, not a lot of good things going on last week uh, against the Colts. But 
when they played against the Redskins, my I had some serious concern about his game management, clock management situation. You remember the issue with the two-minute warning, blowing through that on, on the punt team. Um, and it happened again on Sunday against Indianapolis. You you have plenty of time to get down the field. There's there's seemingly no hurry. They're, they they never they never rush. And then all of a sudden, you're in a you know third or fourth down situation with a minute thirty left, and you come out, you know, with what what was it two three yards to go in in like a, a QB sneak situation, and you just you just burn a timeout like it's no big deal. Well. I think it was what, like two minutes left, two minutes, two two minutes thirty seconds, or something like that. Dude, they 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 came out of the two minute warning and lined up in the in the power tee. So, so with so, with two and a half yards to go. So you blow a timeout in a situation where the clock isn't rolling, and now in essence, you have to convert on that play in order to extend the game's over if you don't convert on that play. I mean, obviously you 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 need to convert, but like don't don't come out like it's. Uh, you know, Lenape, the Lenape Valley, uh, you know, Pop Warner team, and we're going to try to hike, we're going to try to get him to jump off sides. I mean, that is one of the most, like, piss poor moment in time calls in, like, a have to have it situation at the end of a game when you got timeouts, you got clock. There's a lot of things going on. And this guy's handed off play calling. He, you, you mentioned last week, doesn't, doesn't care about the defense, right? Um, so, so what, what is he focused on? I don't know. It it certainly doesn't appear to be managing the game. And just to go back to that fourth and two or fourth and two and a half, first off, you're not going to get anybody to jump lining up like that because the only thing you've ran out of that is a QB sneak. And, like, I don't think you're going to run that. And and Indianapolis doesn't think you're going to run that for for two and a half yards. Uh, You wasted the two-minute warning. Then you burned your second timeout. They only, they only had two timeouts left at that point. So you left yourself no alternative. You said it. It's a have-to-have-it spot, but you left yourself no alternative whatsoever if you do not convert on that fourth down. They ultimately did. I think it was a Jalen Hurts draw, and then I think you get to another Jalen Hurts draw for the touchdown, and he's dancing in front of the mascot. I, I enjoyed that, and... Well-deserved for, for Jalen because, like I said, if it wasn't for him, they, they don't win that game. Yeah, I think the uh, the play of the game, uh, I should say the series of the game, was when Indianapolis went down with about, I guess, five, six minutes left on the clock. Got it down to the five, and the defense held up. They got a big sack. Um, Brandon Graham redeemed himself. Um. And they held them the three there, you know, leave themselves in striking distance. But, man, holy shit. Um, um, Look, Sirianni obviously, you know, has the locker room. Um, He clearly has the guys, for the most part, motivated. But I I think – I'm beginning to see some real serious cracks here in the armor. Um, his quarterback is playing about as well as a quarterback can play. And I just don't feel good about the offense at all. No, it feels, it kind of feels like a, like a college or like a high school system a little bit. I don't know. I don't know how you feel. And they definitely missed Alice Goddard the other day as well. 
that that's a big hole. That's a big guy to miss. He's good at finding kind of cracks in the zones uh, or even just like beating guys one-on-one with his size. The other thing that we failed to mention was right before halftime, I believe the Colts had a drive going and I think it was a third down play that they came up short and there was about 55 minutes or 55 seconds or a minute. So bad, dude. So fucking bad. Or a minute left on the clock. And I think the Eagles, they had a timeout. They might have had all three. I think they had three. And the, I, I think they're losing at this point in the game. Yeah. And no, no desperation or no urgency to, to call a timeout and move the ball, try to move the ball down the field. It, it's not like your defense isn't playing well and you don't want to save the clock, have a quick three and out and give it back to them. And then maybe they come, come down. But like the only guy that's doing that in the league right now is Patrick Mahomes. You're playing fucking Matt Ryan. So I was, I was kind of shocked there. And then the implications of, of some of these decisions, you texted, you said it last week on the pod, you texted me during the game, Jalen hurts sitting on the sideline, like kind of by himself, not really talking to Steichen or Nick or, or even any of the players for that matter. Some of these questionable decisions in these tight games, the games they lost, the games they had to scratch and claw to win, like there are implications. Like the, the players start to see, like, what the fuck are we doing? You start you start to get that little bit of doubt. Like, all right, we're going to get in this situation and this guy isn't going to use our timeouts right or manage the clock right or put us in the right positions. I think it's a, I think it's a real concern. I don't hear anybody really talking about it either. Like it's all hunky dory. Oh, they won the game or nine and one, whatever it is. I mean, let's let's not forget this week. It wasn't the first time against Washington. It wasn't the first time. Remember at the end of the half earlier in the year, where where Hertz had to kind of throw a bullet into the back of the end zone to Devontae Smith. I think it was actually at Washington. It was like two seconds left at the end of the first half because they butchered that that situation. Um, Dude, I don't know what it is, man, but they leave themselves no no room for any type of error. And you get closer to December, you get closer to January, these games start getting tighter. These plays become more important. The gap begins to narrow between the, the opponent and the Eagles. And, like, if you don't have a coach that's optimizing the situation and using timeouts appropriately, you're fucked. Look at what New England did. Bill Belichick managed the end of that game perfectly, calls the timeout, forces the punt, gives them enough time where, all right, if we get a return and and we can complete a ball or two, we can kick a field goal. He took the wind. He's always taking the wind. But the way he managed that with the timeouts at the end of the game, I mean, I'm not so so sure that Sirianni would have called a timeout at the end of the game. Like, he very well may have just said, you know what, we'll see you in overtime. We'll see you in overtime, Salah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just kind of at a loss. Like it's, it's, it is great that they won. You talk about games getting tight and you know, maybe the quality of the opponent is getting a little bit better. I know I was bitching people out about saying the schedule is soft, but they are starting to play teams that are a little bit better. Um, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta get it together in, in these closer games. Cause it doesn't inspire confidence um but one thing that does is Jalen Hurts getting it done and leading the charge you just hope Nick S can clean it up 
as things get tight. And and I'll tell you who else you can uh, be proud of or uh, be inspired by. How about Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue clogging up clogging up the middle on Sunday? That I think that's a big positive to take away. We we can't all be negative. We can't kill Nick S on here for for thirty minutes tonight, uh, but we will. But we got to throw a few flowers, uh, obviously to Hertz and and also those additions on defense. I mean, I just first of all, big hat tip to those guys. Um, Number one, being prepared to play as many snaps as they did, coming in and immediately perform. Dude, Joseph and Sue had some like big plays in the game that were like defining plays where if you don't if you don't stand a guy up in your line of scrimmage, like the game shifts. There were a lot of like kind of those plays where hey, if if they hit something here, you know, seemingly this game might be over. And those guys played well, particularly down at the goal line. Uh, but again, I mean, you have the best executive in the NFL bringing these guys in. You know what I mean? Like, how, Howie Roseman, I mean, in season, off season. I mean, what more does the guy have to do? It's unbelievable. It is impressive that they get they get gashed on the ground. It leads to one loss, and he, he's got the Band-Aid for it. So hopefully they can keep that up. I don't feel great about Robert Quinn. He looks a little lost out there. He looks a little small, a little lost, but... You can't hit them all. You, you you try to address the needs. It is what it is. I think I had I had a thought about the game, and I don't know if I wanted to go back to offense or defense. But do you have anything else on the game right now? Maybe it'll yeah. ring a bell for me. The only the only other thing I got on the game is again, the game's on CBS, and I'm thinking we escape kind of the the butchers of Fox, the announcers, and and I guess Charles Davis now works for CBS. When, when did this happen? I mean, it seems like he just follows the, the Eagles around and calls dog shit games. So you get to the end of the game, and I think I misspoke earlier. I think Graham had a sack at, at the end of the game, not, not in that goal line stand. But at any rate, the guy who sacked, was was it was it Sweat? Who, who sacked uh, um, Ryan uh, when he took like a Wentz-like sack, he ran backwards like ten yards near the goal line. I don't know who that was. I know that, I know BG had the big one when they were in, in plus territory, and he kind of got the redemption for last week, and he was feeling good about that. But I I can't recall. Who, so so who whoever I forget who it was, but whoever it was kind of kind of like caught like the the edge of Ryan's kind of like face mask as he was going down. I don't know if you saw it. Um, yes, yes. And I think that was Reddick. It was Reddick. It was Reddick. Did you have the audio on from where you were watching it? Yes. So Charles Davis, I, it, it's it, it is unfucking believable that this guy gets paid. Is it? Hopefully, it's not millions of dollars. Is it hundreds of thousands of dollars? Probably. To sit there in the biggest moment of the game and say, "Oh yeah, this is just like what happened to Philly last week." Asshole! That was a fucking turnover play! Matt Ryan ran backwards 15 yards and turtled into a shell. A guy touched him on the face mask. He didn't drop the ball. They didn't miss the field goal. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? It's not even close to the Goddard play. No, it, it was closer to the Brandon Graham play, honestly, against Washington. But... When you, I think we had Ian Eagle on the play, uh, the play-by-play, right? 
Yeah, that's the only reason it was listenable. Iron Eagle's pretty good. You you like Iron Eagle? I don't think he's bad. I just think the games that he gets are never really are never really great games. So like maybe we can just chalk chalk up the Eagles offensive performance to having Iron Eagle on the call. Like you're obligated to kind of play in like a dog shit game with Iron Eagle in the booth. Iron Eagle is like that shitty kind of like sleeting game in the Meadowlands where the Jets are playing the Dolphins. And like it's it's just now cold in December, so like the weather's dog shit, and the Dolphins look like hell because they haven't played in like sub forty degree weather. Like that's the game Iron Eagle gets. That that leads me to uh, what I wanted to go back to, or what I was reminded of. Do you get the sense that like Sirianni and Steichen's offense is maybe getting figured out a little bit, like because? I don't know how this O-line can look as bad as they've looked the last few weeks. Like, Sanders isn't getting it going on the ground. Um, I feel like Hertz has been under a lot of pressure the last two to three games, unlike what we saw the first, what, six, seven games. And you mentioned it, those slants to A.J. Brown, they're they're few and far between now. Uh, Devontae Smith, like, they hit him for a couple button hooks, I feel like. And then they've, you know, the other team kind of shut that off. So, like I said, it seems to be maybe a little bit of a an el- more elementary offense compared to some of these other guys uh, that we see now or even, like, the machines we've seen in the past. But I, I get the sense that as this season's going on, you know, maybe the-, the book is out and the tape is out and guys are adjusting to what the Eagles like to do. I mean, let me ask you something. What do the Eagles like to do? Well, that's another thing. I talked about, you know, the balance, the lack of balance, lack of running the ball. The last two games to me, it looks like they want to come out and have an air raid, honestly. They they come out, they throw it immediately, they throw, 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 and then they're down and then they try to run and they're getting blown up. At, you know, the D-line is, is teeing off because they've got a lead. So I, I don't know what they like to do. I thought that they liked to run the ball first and then work off a kind of play action and hit those quick scene pops to Brown and, and Goddard and stuff like that. But I, I don't know what they like to do right now. But I think I think teams are starting to figure it out. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you hit on it. Those little those little pops to Goddard and Brown, but that that's not like an identity. That's not a scheme. That's a play. Like they like they run they run button hooks and slants like that, like that's a play. It just, you know, maybe, maybe it's years of being spoiled by Andy Reid, And obviously he has, has his faults, you know, in terms of running the football, but a guy like Hertz, like when's the last time you saw the Eagles run a stretch play with a running back where Hertz is like sprinting out and handing it off. Um, because from there you can, you can do a lot of things. You could do a bootleg, you could do an RPO to the other direction. If Hertz wants to, you know, pull it down. It seems like, obviously, you mentioned it, right? The O line's been getting whooped on 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 the the pass pro the last couple weeks. I haven't seen any screen game. I haven't seen any shovel pass. There has been literally nothing done to either take advantage of the aggression of the defense or to mix up what the what the Eagles do. And the thing that's most concerning about that, G is they had an early buy this year. So they had an opportunity to self-scout. They had a Thursday night game. They had an opportunity to self-scout. And they come out of those, they come out of the buy, they come out of the mini buy after the Thursday night game, 
and have looked worse. Yep. So I have a lot of concern with uh, Nick Sirianni and his ability to make adjustments on the fly. And you can stand in front of the room with all the fucking motivational quotes you want. And you could put a, a flower or a plant up on the, the, the big board and project it in front of the team. But at the end of the day, if you can't scheme guys open, if you can't take advantage of what the defense is trying to get you to do, you're going to lose in January and February. And I think one of the things that we feared coming into this season was we didn't expect this team to be that great, right? Like we we thought content for the division, I think. I think we thought win a playoff game, and that's a pretty good year. With the start we've had, I think the expectations are certainly risen. But I think one of the keys to this year, win or lose, was to find out is Jalen Hurts the guy. And the fear with that idea was that, that they were not – going to run the ball enough. They were not going to be under center. They weren't going to do what they did in the second half of last year when they just grounded and pounded from under center to, to get dubs. So, and you you said it. They don't do that. They're hardly ever under center. There's no screens to Miles. There there used to be, you know, the occasional screen to, to the tight end to Goddard. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's nothing creative in the middle of the field for me, uh, especially – in the short yardage, um, like how do you not have a screen game? How do you not? Ha- I mean, I don't love the shovel pass, but you mix one in, you catch people sleeping, you catch them off guard, something they haven't seen. You can hit that for twelve or fifteen, or even something more. Uh, but they they need to they need to mix it up. There's no mix. They come out. Hertz is in shotgun. They got one back. They got no back, and that you know it's an RPO, and you look for a pop. Or if a play needs to develop, the O-line has been getting cooked. I don't know what it is or why, um, but when you see like guys like Malata and, and Johnson and all those guys at times standing around uh, you know, with their hands down their pants and not hitting anybody, it's, it's unfathomable to me because I, I know that those guys can play. So... There's, I don't know if it's missed assignments or, or people figuring out how to, how to avoid those guys. Well, you know, that Thursday night game against Houston, there were, you know, obviously Houston ran the ball. We talked about Gannon and the defensive struggles. At least for Gannon, it appears that an adjustment's been made, and granted he's had some new personnel. But I noticed early on in last week's game they blitzed a little more. Uh, I, I didn't notice the safety standing 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. So at least an adjustment was made, I guess you could say. For Sirianni and Steichen, I'm just not seeing it. So that Houston game... Maialata got beat a few times, and then it comes out the next day that he didn't really get beat. It was the design of the play and the timing of the play. Um, so what what are we doing? We got the biggest O-line in the fucking league, and 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 we're running timing plays for them to kind of dance at the line of – for the O-line to dance at the line of scrimmage instead of blocking these guys. Uh, you know, or to get at – uh, we love to get at in space, but we never we, we just don't block guys anymore. It's um, it's concerning. And the read-through there for me isn't just this year, G. Um, you know, getting back even to the scheme uh, of, of kind of the skill players, like it's it's easy to tell A.J. Brown, hey, A.J., win at the line of scrimmage, we're going to throw you a slant 11 yards down the field. That's easy. It's not a scheme. 
But what happens when they're up against a salary cap and your second receiver is not Devontae Smith or you got to waive one of these guys and you're bringing in a, a, a guy who's really not that great because you have to pay the quarterback? Well, that's where somebody's got to be able to scheme somebody the fuck open. And I'm not saying it. No. And it's interesting you brought up Gannon and, and his adjustments because I kind of thought about that, thinking about the episode tonight. I think Jonathan Gannon has progressed more as a coach than the offensive guys. Am I nuts? I totally agree. And that's not good. And he's like, he's he's another bad game away from me saying fucking can the guy, like. But he's co- and he's and he's the best at all of them. Right. It's it's interesting. Uh, I I know they're nine and one. I know it's good and well. We're we're, we're looking to lock up a first round buy and make a run. But the the last the, the last two weeks, even the last three weeks, I I don't feel warm and fuzzy at all about what's going on. Here's the issue: the year the year they went and played against the uh, the Pats in 04 or 05 or whatever with T.O. and Donovan. They had that hiccup against Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh was like on I think undefeated at the time. They were good that year, and they hosted the AFC Championship game. So they were like they were like the best team the Eagles played, and they played the Eagles played them on the road. But other than that game, I mean, up until the Owens injury. Everyone was saying Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl. We're booking the hotel. We're booking this. We're booking the flight. Same with the 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 year the Eagles went in seventeen. Like again, up until the Wentz injury, the team felt unstoppable. Everyone was planning their Super Bowl party or planning travel to Minneapolis. I'm hearing none of that right now. I'm hearing none of it saying like, oh, my God, we're going to march right to the Super Bowl. And that is concerning. I don't feel like we're going to march right to the Super Bowl. I think that should be the expectation. But this team just does not feel for in spite of all the statistics and the advanced metrics, the turnover battle, all the points in the second quarter. They just don't feel that dominant. No, they don't, and it almost feels like they're reverting to the team that that played the Bucks in the playoffs last year. Like it looks more like that than what we saw the first seven, eight games. Like I'm looking at these last three games, and I look at this roster. Couple injuries, but a couple nice ads. This roster should be contending for the Super Bowl, but what they've shown on the field the last few weeks that has me pumping the brakes. So. Call it what you will, but I, well, it don't look good. Remember at the beginning of the year when we said this is the year they have to find out about Hertz, and in doing so, like we have to make sure we're fair with Sirianni because that you know you said it last year, right? They had to run the ball to win. But at the at, before the season started, we were talking about you know Sirianni's got his own offense. He didn't really get to showcase it last year. And what if if Hertz isn't the guy? Is does that really give Sirianni a fair shake? And what I'm starting to wonder is, what's worse? Hertz is the guy, but Sirianni isn't the guy, and Hertz is winning in spite of Sirianni. Is it like a Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers situation? I mean, I, I, I again, way too early, but you know, if we're sitting here three years from now and Hertz is on a two hundred million dollar deal and all these big star players are leaving town and the team hasn't won anything, 
and they're 500 year in year out like the uh, the post Legion of Boom Seattle Seahawks. I mean, is it Pete Carroll? Is it? it I don't know. I, who, who knows? It's a scary thought. It's it's a scary thought. Uh, we'll we'll move along. Don't forget wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, subscribe and hit us with that five star review. We're not moving on totally from the Eagles. We got to talk about the coach. Um, I was kind of more excited to talk about some of these antics we posted on social media about Nick Nick Sirianni hopping up on the bench and yelling at the fans. When I saw that live, I thought he was just like fired up to get the dub. Then I come to see another angle today, and he's yelling, that shit's for Frank Reich. I, I was completely, completely shocked, dude. Um, but I, I want to share a message from a loyal listener that we got about when he saw that video and kind of what he wanted to hear and what we're going to get to. Hopefully we got a portion of the next pod covering Nick S., we can separate him doing a good job as a coach and him being the biggest cheese dick this side of the Mississippi. Needs to be addressed how much of a loser he is. Hope Bomb feels the same way as I I'll Hope Bomb feels the same way as I do. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. I mean, not only do you have so you we find out today, Tuesday, that he was yelling about Frank Reich, but you saw him coming off the field down the tunnel with tears in his eyes. You saw him at the presser with tears in his eyes, talking about how much he loves Frank Reich. And he implied how dirty he, Reich was done by the Colts and that he should still be there and this and that. And I couldn't just help but think of you, Bob, because we've uh, we, we've talked about all the people who said Frank Reich was the brains of the Super Bowl operation and how he was going to reincarnate Carson Wentz when he went down to Indy. And now we've kind of got a conundrum because this is our current head coach that we're really pulling for who's given a ringing, more than ringing endorsement of Frank Reich. I mean, I'm just reflecting on that that direct message we, we got, and I'm not even sure he's that great of a coach, to be quite honest. I mean, he's got a, he's got an MVP dual-threat quarterback and two superstar wide receivers and a phenomenal tight end. And, like, the best offensive line. So, like, this guy's just a system coach. You can thank Howie Roseman and all the players. Um, and then, like, to your point, we see the video. We see him jump up and all the cute memes and the Patrick Beverly stuff. Ha, ha, funny, funny. And I said, you know, this guy, it's like his shtick. It's what he does. He did it in a couple of these road games. I thought he thanked the fan. He was thanking the fans. And the, this alternate angle comes out. And you said it, G. That's for Frank Reich. First of all, it's totally disrespectful to Jeff Saturday, who just took your one-loss team down to the fucking wire with a, a, a quarterback who looks like he should be on Social Security and Medicare. And, and you're sitting here trying to say Frank Reich should not have been fired? The guy mortgaged Indianapolis's future and vouched for that fucking loser at quarterback, A01, number 11, a.k.a. Deuce Carson Wentz. So, like, for this guy who's who's the coach of the Eagles to defend the guy who you could argue was colluding with, with at the time, the Eagles quote-unquote, not my franchise quarterback, but the Eagles franchise quarterback, and talk about Frank Reich's this great guy, Frank Reich this. 
Frank Reich's a fucking loser, okay? He was a backup quarterback in Buffalo, all right? Uh, you can thank Doug Peterson for the Super Bowl. You can thank Nick Foles for the Super Bowl. I never want to hear people talk about Frank Reich and the brains of the operation. The guy stinks. Didn't he blow, Didn't he blow like, uh, you know, a big lead? I think it was a Buffalo game in the playoffs with, with, with Rivers. Yep. I mean, the guy, the guy has incredible teams and stinks every year. So... But, but to see our head coach going to bat for Frank Reich, come on, man. I talked about his emotions like earlier and the way, the way he's been calling the games. That, that's the other thing I wanted to mention. All the penalties that the Eagles have taken like on offense the last few weeks, like they just they don't seem – they're not in sync. They're not prepared. It's not good. But he calls the shot to start the second half. Like that, that's clearly an emotional call. And – like, why are you fired up about Frank Reich? We were sitting in Arizona. We had 12 guys sitting around a TV watching this game, most of us Eagle fans. We were glad they got the dub, but, like, we were on death's doorstep, you know, with the amount of alcohol consumption that went down down there. And then we had to watch that slob fest for three and a half hours. Uh, terrible performance, but still get the win. And then you, you see Nick Sirianni hopping up on the bench yelling at the Philly faithful. I literally screamed at the TV, shut the fuck up. Like, I get that we got the dub. That's great. But why you, there's no reason to celebrate like that. And then I come to find today that it's about, he's yelling that was for Frank Reich. It wasn't even for the the city of Philadelphia and for the fans. It was for Frank. He, he is a cheese dick, a cheese ball. I like, it makes no sense. Let me give you an analogy. Early nineties. Mid nineties, Philadelphia Eagles fire Rich Kotite, demanded a, a contract from Jeffrey Lurie, fired at the end of the year, gets hired by the New York Jets. In my opinion, what Sirianni just did is akin to the Jets firing Rich Kotite and Ray Rhodes going up to the Meadowlands and beating the New York Jets and then screaming about Rich Kotite. That's for Rich Kotite. Exactly. Frank Reich wasn't a head coach here. He was here for what? One season, two seasons. There's no connection. There's no fill. You're wearing the logo, buddy. This isn't about your friendships and your mentor. And the next, I'll tell you what, the next shoe that's going to drop is they're going to bring that Wentz worshiper in. They're going to bring him in as a passing game coordinator, as a, an analyst. Frank, Frank. Oh, we have Frank. The offense will be stale as fuck. Heading down the stretch here. It'll be leaking oil, wheels falling off, and that'll be the miracle Hail Mary. We're, we're going to bring Frankie in as a fresh set of eyes. Fuck! It's so funny, too, that we got, after we got canned, we got the the call on the spot in the shade line, 215-385-5164. We want to hear from the people. It's been a little light lately, but we got the call after he got canned, like, hey, could you see Frank Reich back in Philly? And I was like, no, I couldn't. And then I watched what transpired on Sunday afternoon and after the game, and I'm and I'm thinking exactly what you just said. Like, he's got a spot penciled in under Nick. Dude, that's when you know. That's when you know it's panic time. Like, there's a good chance. I know the Packers played like shit, but there's a good chance they come in here Sunday night and win this game, and we might get like a Tuesday press conference. Senior offensive analyst Frank from staff. Could you imagine? That's when you know we are fucked. Yeah. 
I wouldn't feel good about that. Eagles host the Packers Sunday at 8.20. Line sits at 7 right now. I know we talked kind of about the schedule looking ahead, and you said this was a primo spot to maybe hammer Green Bay, even on the money line. They, they got a little. They got a few extra days this week. They're off the loss at, at Tennessee. That was actually a decent Thursday night game, but they're they're in a tough way this year. The Eagles gotta the Eagles gotta get it together. And, and if they don't, it'll be more of the same from us next week because they, there's a lot of shit to clean up and not fucking Nick Sirianni's tears with, with a Kleenex after sobbing about Frank Reich. That that's just unbelievable. Well, I'll be down there, uh, not selling this week. Holding the flag. I'll be on the flag. Sunday night football. Look for the bomb. Sunday night football. Um, but first time ever the Eagles are wearing black helmets. That's a bad, bad sign. I'm gonna, ha- I'm gonna hammer Green Bay money line because even a cover doesn't do. Like Green Bay loses by a field goal. Like the Eagles. Probably played like shit. They didn't cover. Why would I bet Philadelphia at all? Just take Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. Money line. Yeah, we were we were getting the picks together down in, in Scottsdale with, with the squad, and I I didn't pull trig on the Eagles last week, and I honestly thought the Colts was was one of the better plays, but in the in the spirit of camaraderie and being together, I, I didn't do it. Uh, you know, for for the boys that day. But feels like a good spot for Green Bay and some points at least. But you're you're going money line. How'd you make out betting the board this weekend? I did. I didn't get get to tally it up. Did you do all right? You I got well. I think I, I I think I finished a game or two over five hundred. All right. I got bone, I got boned on a couple lines. I think I you know Chicago lost by three. I had two and a hook. Uh. Buffalo was winning, going away, and then a late score by Cleveland uh, gets the push. A lot of weird stuff happening, but things still came out over 500. I think I might do it again. I think I think we're we're in the point of the season where it's time to just bet the board, bet the house. Uh, holidays are coming. Santa Claus is coming. Do you want gifts or do you want coal? Bet the board. Bet the board. Yeah, I think I made out. Three and one on NFL Sunday. We had celebrity guest picker Chip in the building with us in Scottsdale. He gave us a winner in college on Saturday. He gave us a loser on Sunday. He gave us a horrific loser on Sunday. In fact, he gave us a he he took a dog, which I don't mind, and then gave us a yeah sprinkle some on the money line. And they got fucking boat raced. Give him some love for the college pick, man. Come on, man. Good. It's the NFL. <laughs> Grown-ass men. You want to go bet on the boys, go do that. But we're talking about the NFL. Wow. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at TFTS Pod and on Instagram at Thoughts from the Shade. Let's talk a little bit about college football. We're doing another Tuesday evening recording. Rankings are coming in. We had Tennessee fall to the South Carolina Gamecocks this weekend uh, to kind of knock them out of maybe hanging around and sneaking into the playoff. You had TCU get another tight win in the Big 12 to stay undefeated. Uh, Michigan 
tight win over Illinois. We had Illinois plus 17 and a half. Thank you very much. Uh, Ohio State, I think they were in a bit of a dogfight as well against Maryland. Uh, Georgia wins a, a low-scoring game. So it, lo- it looks like the top four is going to stay intact. USC gets the big win over UCLA. That was a great game. Um, I guess wh- where do you stand on the rankings tonight, Bob, uh, heading into week 13 of college football, the last week of the regular season before championship Saturday? Yeah, my rankings are as follows. I got uh, I'll give you my, where I think these teams are, and I'm 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 sorry, G. I, I hate to do this to you. I got UGA at one. Uh, obviously, um, I think they can lose. Obviously, lose the SEC title game. They got to win this week against Georgia Tech. But if they lose the SEC title game, I think they still go. Obviously, number two, I got TCU. I think you got to give respect to the frogs and that offense. Number three, I think a team that wins out and is in USC, the Trojans defense looks a little shoddy, but they're, uh, you know, they're humming on all cylinders on the O with Lincoln Riley. So you got the Riley brothers in, in the top three. Um, and then four, I'm sorry. Two disqualifying games this past week. I got LSU, 9-2 and two LSU, with the thinking there that if LSU wins out and wins the SEC, I'm sorry. In my opinion, they are better than Ohio State. In my opinion, they are better than Michigan. What is going to happen on Saturday if it's like a 17-14 game with Ohio State and Michigan? Are they going to send both? Obviously, they're going to send an undefeated Big Ten champion. But I don't want to watch both of those teams in, in the college football playoff. I think they stink. I thought that was possible. I think I said it last week. Um, so just, just to recap, you have Georgia 1, TCU 2, SC 3, and LSU 4. And I got Michi- uh, I got uh, Ohio State 5, Michigan 6. All right. That's my, my opinion. And that's just, I mean, I know it'll never happen. I mean, I, I just know it'll never happen. I just, I, I just, I, 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 if you, I mean, if you watch those games, Ohio State in a dogfight against Baby Tua, dogfight, a team that got blown out by Penn State the previous week, and then Michigan, who should have lost. I mean, pathetic. Yeah, they got bailed out. It looked like a off OPI, offensive pass interference that was, the flag was tucked in. It wasn't reached reach down into a jock and thrown sky high. Uh, I'm, I, I'm with you. I got Georgia at one. I think, yeah, as long as they win this this week, they can lose in the SEC title game and they're still in. I think I had Michigan two last week. Uh, I'm going to move TCU up to two. This team, like I said last week, they continue to outperform. They continue uh, to win in tight games. It's impressive. Uh, that doesn't mean that they don't get throttled when they go play a Georgia uh, or, I don't know, an LSU. I was going to say a Tennessee, but they're they're cooked now. Uh, Georgia, TCU. Uh, I'm going to keep Michigan at three and Ohio State at four. Uh, I'll go USC five and I'll go LSU six. Uh, I want to see the game. You know, I went off last year. I remember the whole episode. It was all about the game and the hype, but 
It is it is a big game. It is the class of the Big Ten. It is pretty much for a trip to the playoff, given that you play a Big Ten West cupcake the following week. Uh, so big game there. I believe Ohio State is a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite. I don't know what Blake Corum's status is, the running back for Michigan, but I think I like the Wolverines in that game. I just think they're a tougher team. Uh, but, but to be determined, I like USC too, Bomb. I think their offense is great. Uh, but their defense can't stop stop a nosebleed. So I, I can't put them in that that top four yet. Do I think they went out and get there? Uh, who do they have? Notre Dame this week, and then it looks like they're going to have to play Oregon in a Pac-12 title game. Can they win both of those games? I think it's a tall tall ask. It's a tall ask, but if they do it, they certainly – Notre Dame, Notre, I mean, Notre Dame, I mean, I know – Here we go. Jordan, it was a tough – Start and Freeman looks awful. They got a. They're playing with like second and third stringer quarterback, and they're eight and three. Are they back? I don't know if they're back, but <laughs> no. But, I mean, it it shows you how bad college football's been this year. That team looked really bad early. Oregon got blown out early. They're nine and two. Penn State stinks. They're nine and two. Uh. I I, I I don't know if I can continue to do this podcast if we move to a 12-team playoff. I'm just saying, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to watch it. These teams stink. I think it's actually it's a shame that like they've decided on the change because I think this is one of the first years in a while where like there's enough controversy for like the four-team playoff to be good. Like the four-team format I think is good for this year. There aren't more teams that are deserving of a playoff spot. And there's enough controversy that like these last couple of weeks really matter. And I think we'll, we'll get a fair four teams. But as I was saying, I think with USC having Notre Dame this week and then a PAC 12 title game, if they win both, I think that they're guaranteed in, I think they're worthy of a spot. I think the PAC 12 has actually been pretty solid this year. Well, let me ask you something. What if Oregon wins? What against uh, SC in, in a title game? Yep, they're they're now they would be what eleven and two Pac twelve champion, lost to Georgia, lost to Washington, which isn't a terrible loss. I think they they'd have to be in the mix. I think they'd have to be in the mix. But that that's that's a team that would need LS or they would need Georgia to to win. Like that's a team that would get in if you don't get two SEC teams or would have a chance. So it's, yeah, I mean, you got to see what happens in the game this weekend. Everybody will be all fired up about that team up north and th- this and that, and they'll play at 12 o'clock. That's one of the, let me tell you something. That, I used to be into it. Uh, oh, yeah, it's great tradition. That is so contrived. That is such, oh, the team up north, T-T-U-N. So contrived. It's disgusting. And then they got the little – Traditions and the one year they bet that oh, if we win the game, you get to paint the cathedral at Ohio Stadium the blue in the maze, and then Michigan won. So if you go to Ohio Stadium, you see the blue in the maze. I'm so sick of it. <laughs> hey man, you're asking about Oregon. Can we ask about Penn State? They got they got two good losses, and they've blown everybody else out. Two good losses. <laughs> 
they they, well, they, they were they were clearly outclassed by Michigan, but they did have Ohio State beat this year. It, it shows you. Ju- Here's the thing, and I, I don't mean to kill you. I don't mean to kill Penn Staters, but potentially the easiest year ever to get to the college football playoff, and he just couldn't win one of those games. Like if he if he wins one of those games, you got a shot. Presumably, the winner of the game is going to represent the Big Ten East. So you're sitting there at what eleven and one at home, sitting on your thumb, just waiting to be the number four team in. Yeah, it was it was definitely plausible this year. So this whole this whole theory of like, oh yeah, the reason why Penn State can't get to playoff is because. You know we have to be we have to be twelve and zero. We got to beat Michigan and we got to beat Ohio State. We need to be re, we need realignment in the Big Ten. They, they had to beat one of them. If Penn State beats one of them this year, they're going. I don't think that's that's a crazy thought. Um, but I think I think you know on the bright side, I, I think a ten ten and two year exceeded my expectations. Um, I think it's a solid year. But I'll also say like I'm also tired of being like little brother like. It's Michigan, it's Ohio State, and then it's it's Penn State. Like Penn State is always like the fourth or fifth best team in the Big Ten. You know, when the West has a few nice teams, that's like their worst, like, you know, four, five, six. Um, but even like a good year like this year where they blow everybody else out, they still they still are a little bro. And and that's the issue. So like I, yes, they had a good year. Uh, it exceeded my expectations. Um, but they still need to improve and be in that that same class to say, hey, we can we can win one of these games every year. I don't think that's and I don't think that's an un, unfair ask. I had a good I had a good analogy for it earlier. I think of all this shit while I'm working to to say on the podcast, and then I never bring it to light. But it'll come back to me. I'll share it next week. Um, I guess I got to get to my Scottsdale trip. We'll, we'll round it out with that, and then we'll we'll get ready for Thanksgiving. Good time. Um, I posted my frustration in the airport on last Wednesday afternoon, and I touched on it at the top of the show here tonight. You know, I'm a meat and potatoes guy. I'm a homebody. Uh, I, I keep it simple. And, and I think maybe part of it, too, is getting older. Is like you choose, like, who you kind of associate with, right? Like, I associate with you. A lot of people do question that, but I associate with you. You know, I hang out with the boys. I hang out with my girl. I hang out with my family, um, and, and I play golf. Like I'm not, I'm not a world-renowned tra- traveler, uh, and this and that. So anytime that I I go outside of the bubble, that's what, that's what some of my boys like to say. Oh, he got out of his bubble. You know, I, I get to people watching, and I get all fired up. So I I drive down to the airport on Wednesday afternoon. And I got to check. Did you have any idea there was no longer any economy parking? <laughs> no, actually, I got a hook a hooked up spot from uh, from my old man's old job. So it's just a it's a short walk to the airport. But uh, I drag so I drag the golf bag in. Got to check the golf bag, right? I paid on the app the night before. Print the tag. It took me a couple minutes. What airline? What's up? What airline? American. Okay. So it takes me like a couple minutes to figure out the tag. You know, you get into the airport, you're all flustered and shit. But I get the tag on. So I go to the lady at the desk. Hey, where where do you need me to stuff this bag? Like, I thought that they would just take it from me. You know, they weigh it, check your ID. 
She's just some like nasty old lady. Go throw it down there. Just go throw it down there. Not there's an oversized uh, belt down there. You know, there's a sign right there. Go throw it down there. I'm like, where? She's like down there. So I, I had to walk and look around, gave myself enough time. So I, I find it. I dropped the bag in. And I, 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 know, I know exactly what you're talking about, too. Right. So then I go up the stairs. I got my TSA pre-check. I'm in good shape, right? So don't have to do the shoes or the whole nine. Hang on. Wait, wait, wait. I hate to interrupt. These are shocking developments. You're a pre-check guy? You better believe it, man. You travel once a decade? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? It's uh, it, it's travel every month. I don't have a pre-check. You're a pre-check guy? It's an employment benefit. So, holy fuck! I know, hard to believe. So I get, I get to, I get to go through security, right? And you gotta empty the pockets. I put the backpack and the carry on through this thing, and I got, I got this middle aged blonde woman right behind me. So I, I put my stuff through. I walk through, no issue. And then, like you know how you, your stuff runs through, you know the scanner, and there's the belt, and it's kind of like tight quarters around there, and you gotta slide in to get your your stuff back. So this lady was behind me, right? She was behind me putting her stuff. She was behind me walking through. I, I kid you not, I get through the thing. She must have been right behind me. And then I do like the U-turn to get back to the belt. And this lady c- cuts right in front of me. And my fucking shit is coming out first. This lady is so far up my ass. I don't need to schedule my colonoscopy in like 15 years. Like this lady's up my ass. She she gets She cuts right around me. And my stuff's coming out first. Her shit's not even out yet, and I can't even get to my stuff. Like these people, you get in these airports, like oh everyone, oh we're going to Disney, oh I'm I'm going to Scottsdale, I'm going to California, you know, nice vacation. Like these people are all all happy and excited. Then they get in the airport and they just snap, and they're like psychotic, and they're all stressed out, and they're running around. So I'm dealing with that lady. So I get I get my shit, whatever. I'm putzing around. Like I said, gave myself plenty of time on the way there. But then I get to the gate. You know, I like to go find my gate, make sure I know where I got to go. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not an expert of the airport and everything. So figure out where I'm at, then hit the head, grab a beer or whatever. So I get to the gate. It's like 90 minutes before boarding. These people are, are all standing. They're all, you know, they're not sitting. They're standing around the desk, you know, where, where you have to scan your phone and they get on the plane. They're standing around the desk. And they're overflowing into like the main walkway where it's not carpeted it's like the marble floor whatever the fuck it is this is 90 minutes before the flight dude, dude come on man you, what, you what do you what do you mean you 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 stand there chomping at the bit to, to get on the the bird before it's even on the ground probably a different plane nah. a different plane leaving dude no no it was mine you got there so fucking early that like you're <laughs> they're like wait the flight going to Chicago leaves now, and then your plane shows up in like an hour. No, it it wasn't. It it was all it was all my people. They're all standing around. They're cra- crowding around the gate, overflowing into the hallway where the you know the people coming and going have to walk. Um, you know because nobody can just like sit in the chair and wait for their group. That that's not possible. So then I this this will be my last like bone to pick with with the airport. So there's like two. There's a bar. The closest bar to my gate is like this new oodles and noodles joint. So I just go to the bar. There's somebody working and I'm like, Hey, can I get a, a beer? And she's like, you got to scan the QR code and download the app. 
I got to download an app in, in an airport to get a beer. So then I'm like trying to download the app. You can only buy one beer at a time. So what am I going to have? Three transactions on this app tip every time. I'm just trying to get a couple beers and, and get on the fucking plane. So luckily there was another bar a little farther away that I, I made my way to and didn't, and just had a tab like a normal person and then got the fuck on my way. Uh, and then you, you get on the plane, right? Everybody's, everybody's crowding around, wait, waiting for the group, waiting to get on, like getting in each other's way. And then you, you scan your pass and you get down the tunnel that gets you on the plane and you still got to stand in line there anyway. So then I get on the plane you know, say hi to the, the, uh, flight attendants. Hey, how are you? You start walking down, you start scoping out. All right, I'm in 21. You get to like 15 and you start looking. All right, where's my seat? Who am I sitting near? And I shit you not. I look at this old man. He's in 20A. I'm in 21A. This guy is on death's doorstep. White as a ghost. I'm shocked he was on the plane and I sit down and the guy, God bless him. I don't know if he has lung cancer or whatever. This guy is hacking up a lung for four and a half hours from Philadelphia to Scottsdale. So that that's that you weren't wearing your N95? No N95. Um, you know, I like to expose myself a little bit to, to the germs and to the air. I think I think it's builds good immunity. That that's that's my theory. Um but yeah, just it, it's it's always an experience, man. It's did you have a carry on? Did you check? Did you check a luggage bag and your golf sticks, or did you have a carry on too? I had a carry on as well. I did the golf sticks. I did. And you had enough. You had enough overhead space. Had enough overhead space. Believe it or not, in group seven. What group? What group were you? Seven. How the fuck are you group seven? I don't know. I checked in like twenty four hours before, right when you could. It's not Southwest Airlines. I don't. Huh. Yeah, Gee, man. I was group seven on the way home. And then uh, the same guy who shot the DM about Sirianni, he's like, fuck it. We're grounded group five. He's like, they don't check. So we, we got on nice and early on the way home, but we did it. We did it better on the way back. Um, dude, we got to the airport like 20 minutes before we boarded the flight. Philly. Dude, Philly, Phil, Philadelphia International Airport is the worst. The worst. Actually, I take that back. Dulles is the worst. The absolute worst. Philly sucks though. Yeah, Philly's not great. I haven't been to Dulles. I thought I thought the Phoenix airport was pretty nice, but now the trip overall was great. Uh first two days were I spent with our boy Juice. You know, we played some golf. We played Action, Southern Dunes, and Maricopa. Beautiful golf course. We got there at seven AM. They had like the fire pit burning. Uh some really great views. I tried to try to share a couple snippets on the Instagram this weekend. Uh and believe it or not, we were able to tally uh, our golf scores immediately after the 18 holes there. Uh, and then Friday, this son of a bitch takes me to this place called Red Mountain Ranch. Um, we played the very back tees. I think they were 6,700 yards, which isn't all that deep. Yet uh, the slope was 145. So just totally got my teeth kicked in there. I asked Hags uh, if he was like still my friend, like, why'd you bring me here? Are you sure you like me? Because that was torturous. Uh, and then the, the, the squad for the bachelor party rolled in. We tagged up with them. We had a nice dinner out and about uh, in Scottsdale, nice town down there, and played TPC uh, Scottsdale Champions course on Saturday. That was fun. Wasn't a kick in the dick. You played from the red tees. We played from the white tees there. Uh, we, had a gr- we had a group of 12 guys. 
I think we had maybe two single-digit handicaps, a couple in the teens, and then a, a, a bunch over the 20 threshold. So we, we kept it light that day after getting our teeth kicked in the first two days. Gee, man. Gee, you're traveling outside of the Northeast. The scoring season ended here. You're traveling outside of the Northeast. And you're goosing the cap for the beginning of next year. It's not right. It ain't right. I don't know what to say, man. I'm, I, I, other than other than Saturday, we played it deep. We played it tough. Um, hit the ball okay. Couldn't putt out there. You know, I'm I'm used to those those firm and fast. They're a little, they're a little. They're, you're used to Lulu is what you're used. To. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they're no, they're they're just like a little interesting out there. They were like a little hairy, but the the courses looked great. Um, all together, so ton of fun. I'm trying to think if there's any good stories to share. Like we, we rallied on Saturday after golf and, and got back out there. Um, Sunday, the boys relaxed, uh, was a football day. We picked any up Airbnb stories. Not really. Uh, we picked up raising canes, you know, you didn't cook. Uh, we cooked breakfast. Yeah, we did cook breakfast. We did. Who uh, cooked? Uh, our proud sponsor, Menard Premium Detailing, the best auto detail service in Bucks County. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and MenardPremiumDetailing.com. Grant whipped us up uh, some breakfast on football Sunday. Wow. Yeah, yes, yeah, so that wow. that was a good deal. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you got a little use out of the kitchen, G, because I know you're a, you're a kitchen a kitchen Airbnb guy. Yeah, we had a couple. We had a couple uh, frozen pizzas flying around, and I think that was about it. But yeah, we had a nice, nice heated pool, a little putting and chipping greens, some, some, some cornhole and TV outside. So it was, it was a good deal. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I have any. Uh, I don't think I have any other stories to share. I'm sure some of the boys will listen and be like, "You, sh- you forgot to share this." So I'll. I'll get some feedback and and bring it if it's if it's worthy next week. But uh, good time would would definitely go back. Couldn't live there though. It feels like vacation. Like Arizona to me or Scottsdale at least kind of felt like the Florida of the West. Like it's it's all like open and it's warm and the weather's great. Uh, but instead of like beach and kind of water and palm trees, it's cactus and and desert and mountains. But pretty cool place. And uh, kudos to to the best man and, and the bachelor and also our buddy juice, uh, for all the, all the hospitality and efforts there. So with that, we'll look forward to Thanksgiving on Thursday. Do you have, do you have a play? Do you have one play? I mean, we're going to pick all the games Thursday, but do you have one play you want to give out on the show here, uh, for Thursday? No, I'm going to do a deep dive tomorrow. Uh, after five o'clock, you'll see it on the Instagram. All All right. We'll, we'll save it for the Instagram, uh, three games Thursday, and am I going to be seeing you, Bob, on Thursday? I'll be there. Let's go. Let's go. We'll have a day. Watch, watch some ball. Grub it up and and have a good time. Let's. So last week we talked about our grub. I think we're just going to go with one thing uh, for the holiday this week. It can be any anything you want. Life, sports, this podcast. One thing you're thankful for this year, Bob. Are you ready? Or you want me to go first? I'm ready. I mean, I'm going to keep it sports related because that's, that's what we do on the pod. I got other things that I'm more thankful for, but 
we haven't had something to be thankful for in the city of Philadelphia like this in quite some time. I'm thankful for a franchise quarterback. We got the guy. That's simple. I like it. it. Yeah, it's fair. And I think, I think that's, uh, I think it's a fair evaluation. I think it's a good thing to be thankful for. It's, uh, it's scary now to think that before the season we were like, all right, we need to figure out if Siri or if Hertz is the guy. Now I think we need to figure out if, if Sirianni is, is the guy. Uh, but in the spirit of, of the trip, uh, and also in the spirit of this podcast, because this is all about just like yucking it up and, off the cuff and being with the boys, but I saw a clip uh, on Instagram. I think it was the Full Send podcast, and this this uh, personality, Andrew Tate, some some rich ass guy. I don't know much else about him. I just have heard his name. So if you have a strong opinion about him, I, I don't. But I liked what he said. He he said, no matter how rich you get or, or what you do, like the best thing in life is always just chilling and yucking it up with the boys and shooting the shit with the boys and and laughing with the boys. So I, I will say that I'm thankful for that uh, with the time that was had th- this past week, uh, the time that you and I have bomb every week to converse and, and air it out uh, about our gripes with, with the sporting world and, and life. Um, just, just yucking it up with the fellas and, and shooting the breeze. Cause you know, the amount of belly laughs you get, um, you, you don't get them unless, unless you're in, in good company. So that's what it's all about for me. That's what I'm thankful for. But like you said, we we both, uh, I think, have a lot to be thankful for. So anybody that feels slighted by that segment, uh, we appreciate you as well. Anything else, Bob, you want to leave the people with as we head in to Thanksgiving and Sunday Night Football against Green Bay? Packers money line. Packers money line from the bomb. We'll see if it holds on Sunday. Well, thank everybody for listening. Don't forget uh, to share this podcast with someone that you think might like it. And with that, we'll wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Take care, everybody.